0: Well, good morning, it is good to be here with you this morning as we gather here in the sanctuary and also as we gather on our virtual platforms, just to be able to gather as a family of Christ and to worship God and glorify God here in this space. Space is a very important thing. Space tells us a lot about who we are, whose we are, and how we see the world. I want us to keep that little notion in mind as we prepare to hear the scriptures read this morning and to read the gospel of Luke, but before we get there I want to kind of set the set the stage. In Luke chapter 5, Jesus has called his disciples and they have followed him. We have followed Jesus in the region of Galilee as he teaches and he offers miracles and healings and People are amazed at the way he teaches and speaks with authority. They are amazed at what they see him do, heal people. Scriptures tell us in Luke that the the disciples are amazed and in awe of Jesus and what he has said and what he has done. We follow Jesus and the disciples, this huge band of folks, as they make their way up a mountain to separate themselves from these gathering crowds who press in on Jesus and and want to see him, hear him, and maybe even touch him because word has spread that he is filled with the power and the Spirit of God. The Spirit and the power flows through him, and as people are healed, they just want to reach out and touch him. And maybe that power and that spirit will flow through him like a conduit into them and their body and their life and make them whole and heal them. So with all this pressure, Jesus and his disciples make their way up a mountain where they are separate and they pray. And on this mountain, Jesus calls his 12 apostles by name. And then all those apostles, those 12, and all the other gathered disciples make their way back down the mountain onto level ground. They are amazed, and they stand in awe of all they have seen and heard of Jesus. I invite us to hear this reading from Luke chapter 6, beginning in verse 17. He came down with them and stood on a level place with a great crowd of His disciples and a great multitude of people from all of Judea, Jerusalem, and the coast of Tyre and Sidon. They had come to hear Him and to be healed of their diseases, and those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured. For you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you, revile you, and defame you on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for surely your reward is great in heaven, for that is what their ancestors did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who are laughing now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when all speak well of you, for that is what their ancestors did to the false prophets. May God bless the reading of the gospel Well, we've been kind of making our way through this little uh, series on chaos, and we talked last week about how chaos comes into our lives, and we find ourselves on the edge of chaos even when we don't realize it. We find ourselves getting sick, and the ones we love are ill. We find ourselves facing loss and death. Life-changing plans don't go as planned things just kind of fall apart. And it feels like deep chaos. But what we learned last week is that Jesus was there on the edge of chaos. Jesus was there on the surface of chaos. And Jesus will be there in our chaos and is there with us now, whatever our chaos may be. We can even read the scriptures to to find that Jesus provides for us sustains us from the depths of chaos now that's a that's that's the gospel that's the good news so no matter where we are no matter how shallow or deep we find ourselves in chaos Jesus is with us sustaining us but chaos comes in all kinds of varieties and all sizes and all depths and in ways that we would never expect. This passage in front of us is a good sign, a good image of the chaos that can befall us. Chaos that we would never imagine. And when I was serving in, in Fort Walton Beach, Leanne and I lived in the Parsonage, and we attended Trinity and worked at Trinity not a Methodist Church, and there was, uh, I, don't, I don't know the numbers. There were so many retired Air Force personnel in that church. I bet 85% of that church in that congregation was retired military. And they had some of the greatest stories. Oh, I would go to a Thursday morning Bible study, and they would spend half the time sharing these incredible, unbelievable stories. I would ask them, well, tell me me a little more about this plane you were flying. Well, it was an F-16 fighter, and I was flying, and the whole tail section was shot off. These planes are so durable and so reliable, they're just tough machines. I said, the whole tail section, well, just about the whole tail section was shot off. I said, where were you? Oh, I can't tell you. They had incredible stories. I was talking to one of these pilots who actually served in Marine Corps first and then he went to the Air Force and he flew um, F-4 fighter planes in the late 60s, early 70s, and and then he went to fly gunships. and He was telling me about flying these F-4s. He said we would do these maneuvers and training exercises. We would fly from one base to another, and and we would, as 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 a squadron, we would see how fast we could get there. So we would open them up. We would fly as fast as we could. We break the sound barrier to get there. And I said, You broke the sound barrier? He goes, Yeah, these planes are fast. I said, Did you do that all the time? He goes, No, you can't break the sound barrier all anytime you want. You had to get permission. I said, Why? He goes, Well, bad things happen when you break the sound barrier. I said, do You care to elaborate? And he's like, Not a word. So I didn't know what he meant about you. Know, bad things happen when you break the sound barrier. So I had, I had to go back and read, so I went to the internet and read about what happens when you break the sound barrier. Well, when you begin to break the sound barrier, you get approached, when you approach the sound, apparently the, 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 the plane begins to just shake and the, and, the, and the instrument panel shakes and there's rattling and it's just you're, you're approaching, I guess, the, the maximum speed you're gonna get, like you're running into a wall. And then all of a sudden you break through and there's this loud sonic boom, which wreaks havoc on the ground. And so apparently after about 40,000 complaints to the Air Force about sonic booms, the federal government, FFA in 1973 said, no more overland supersonic flights. And that's, I guess that's what, I guess that was the trouble. But I didn't know any of this until I had to go read and. I was uh, reading one passage and there was a movie that came out in 1952, five years after Chuck Yeager broke through the sound barrier at Edwards Air Force Base, a movie came out in 1952. It was called The The Sound Barrier, in America it was called Breaking the Sound Barrier. And it followed these British test pilots who were chasing the sound barrier. And it followed the, the aircraft, the engineers, and it followed the pilots, and it followed all these failures. That they would approach the sound barrier and things would go awry and chaos would erupt and the planes would crash. Time and time again. And finally, one pilot makes it to the sound barrier, passes through the sound barrier by going into a steep dive. And when he passes through the sound barrier, everything changed. The instrument panel changed, the controls changed, everything was opposite. So to, to get the plane to rise up, he had to push the yoke down, which would normally make the plane go down to a steeper dive, but the opposite was happening. Pushing the yoke down, the plane began to rise. He broke through the sound barrier by doing the opposite. Now I, I found that kind of hard to believe that the controls would be that opposite, that chaotic. And, and to be fair, this is a fictional movie. And, and to be fair, the controls don't go opposite when you break through the sound barrier. The only time the controls go opposite, unless there's some engineering flaw or mechanical failure, that's when things go awry. But it's just the movie's way to show, to to let us imagine the barrier that was in front of these pilots and these engineers. It was a way for us to see that this was something totally different, that it was hard to understand, hard to get to, hard to grasp. And maybe this passage gives us some of that, that this is a hard passage to grasp. It's opposite from what we expect, certainly opposite from what the first century Palestinians expected. In a world of, of, of shame and honor, that was, the, that was the currency of the culture, shame and honor. If you were sick or impoverished or hungry or broken or unclean, well, you, you weren't blessed. But if you were wealthy and you were fat and happy, well, that's blessed. Jesus comes along, makes his way down this mountain to this level ground, what we call the Sermon on the Plain. It's, it's, It's also very similar to the Sermon on the Mount, which is found in Matthew. But Luke's account is far shorter. And rather than a mountain... Jesus is on a plane with all of his disciples and his apostles gathered there around him and all of these crowds seeking healing, seeking hope, seeking wholeness. He begins to teach. But he's teaching his disciples, those apostles. The scriptures tell us he looks up at his disciples and begins to teach. And we are invited in to overhear this lesson. What does he tell his disciples? What does he want them to know about life and the kingdom of God? It's not what they expected. It's not what we would expect. Blessed are you when you're hungry. Blessed are you who are poor. Blessed are you who weep, who mourn. Well, that's when people curse you and revile you. And woe to the rich. Woe to those who laugh. Woe to those who are full. Woe to those who are accepted. This is not what the disciples anticipated to hear. It's not what those crowds expected to hear about being blessed about being warned. It was a reversal, a reversal of fortune. It's not so much that Jesus is talking about how to be a part of the, the kingdom of God. He's saying this is what the kingdom of God looks like here on the plain. And maybe that's the point. Maybe we find meaning in this chaos of these teachings, of blessings and woes, of knowing the location and who is gathered. Jesus, we are told, comes down from the mountain with his apostles and his disciples. There they gather on this plain. We're also told the people from Jerusalem, the holy city, on the holy mountain in Judea, they come down to the plain, the religious elite, the political powerful, those from the Center of all Jewishness, make their way to the plain. We're also told that those from the Gentile cities of Tyre and Sidon, they make their way to the plain. They're not Jewish, they're not righteous, they're considered outsiders, unclean. And all of these people are gathered on this level ground the poor, the rich, the sick, the healthy the hungry, the full, the accepted, the rejected. They're all there. And they hear Jesus teach. So maybe the teaching, maybe Jesus is saying here on level ground, on this plain, we can all see each other as equals in a world of honor and shame. Maybe we recognize where we are wealthy, Maybe we recognize where we're poor, where we're hungry, where we're full, where we're broken and grieve and where we're whole and we laugh. And maybe it's not just about us and ourselves, but all those who are gathered with us in a particular place, in a space that places us all on level ground that we can look around and identify and align ourselves with the rich and the poor and the hungry and the full, the grieving and the laughing, the accepted and the rejected. Maybe we have to look at ourselves and see how we fit in each of these these roles. We also have to look around and see how we're on the same ground as those who aren't like us. Maybe that's maybe that's the chaos of the kingdom of God. Is that the kingdom of God finds us on this level ground? Jesus comes down to this plane to live among us, to express that we're all invited to the kingdom of God. To see ourselves as we really are, and to see others as they really are. To know that we're all, we're all invited, we're all welcomed into the kingdom. So maybe as we consider this passage, we can consider how upside down the kingdom of God looks to us. We can also consider how upside down our world looks to God. And as we consider how upside down all of this may look and how chaotic it may feel, Christ is still with us, still sustaining us in whatever chaos we find ourselves. Coming down the mountain, finding ourselves on the plain, on level ground, finding ourselves on the edge of the sea, on the edge of chaos, Christ is still there, still sustaining. So to go about the rest of our day and the rest of our week as you look around at the people around you wherever you find yourself in whatever plane you find yourself whatever level ground you find yourself look to see who's there with you to see who's really there with you look to see who you can align yourself with the rich and the poor the hungry and the full the laughing and the grieving accepted and the rejected. When we can align ourselves with all of these folks, we will find ourselves embracing not just the woes, but the blessings. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.